Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to The Pemberley Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Pemberley Podcast. This week, we have a very special episode, and we're so excited to have two guests on, the co-creators of Welcome to Sanditon, Margaret Dunlap and Jay Bushman. We were really excited to have them both on because, I mean, and it's also a perfect time to talk about Sanditon because we are between our discussions of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, and we're Mm -hmm. looking forward to jumping into Emma Approved. Jay several times referred to Sanditon as the uh, forgotten child Mm. of uh, the Pemberley Digital Universe. But I'm so glad that we did this. We like whoever if you whoever you are, if you think you know what happened during the making of Sanditon, you're wrong. There was like a lot of thoughts and like a lot of just so much that happened between fan interactions and writing and getting it out there and getting money for it. That was just like really new information for us. And it was fascinating to learn about how they put everything together and audience reactions and everything. Like it's, this is one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many elements to Sanditon. So getting both of them in the room to kind of piece together that entire story was really cool to hear about the evolution of just everything that happened. And so and if you want to keep up with Margaret on social media, you can follow her at SpyScribe. And for Jay, it's at Jay Bushman. So without further ado, here's our interview with Margaret Dunlap and Jay Bushman. Hello, everyone. We're back from a very brief hiatus, the podcast, but we're excited to come back for a really exciting episode with the co-creators of Welcome to Sanditon, Jay Bushman and Margaret Dunlap. Yay! Hi, it's great to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Sure. All right, so why don't we start at the beginning? Why don't you walk us through kind of like the end of the LBD and how that transitioned into the beginning of Sanditon and what your inspiration was for that and everything. All right. right. Yes, I see how we're going to split that up. Do you want it? (laughs) Let me take the first half of that question and then you can take the second half. Sure. Um, Because when Lizzie Bennett was wrapping up, of course, you know, it was really exciting and the show was, you know, really in some ways at its height, which I guess is where you want to be when you're ending a show that you've been doing for 50 weeks. And we'd been doing it for, you know, all this time. And it was like, okay, great. We'll take the summer off. We'll be able to develop and get prepped for Emma. And then in fall, you know, we give everyone a chance to sort of catch their breath after the end of Lizzie. And then Emma will start up, you know, sometime in the fall. It'll be great. We'll have a summer hiatus. It's like TV. All of the people on the team who were coming out of like the YouTube internet world were like, you guys are maniacs. You can't not have content for months. Like you can't, you know, here's Hank Green just looking at us like you guys are... I don't know because he's in Montana. I imagine he was looking at us all like, you You guys are morons. Like, you can't have a YouTube channel go dark because you know what happens when that happens is that people stop watching the YouTube channel. Hiatus? What's a hiatus? What's a hiatus? Why would we ever stop working? It's like, I don't know. We've been working constantly for nearly a year. It seems like a good idea. And Emma, at the time, we weren't ready to roll straight into Emma. Bernie was still working working on the development side of that, still trying to work out. It's like, okay, how are we telling the story? If it's a more corporate environment, how do we justify the fact that she's putting up these videos? It's the same thing that we had on Lizzie, you know, this idea of confidentiality versus putting it up. And, you know, Lizzie at least had the idea, at least initially, it's like, well, nobody's watching this. What does it matter what I put on the internet? Oh, Lizzie. (laughs) And um, at that point, it's like, okay, well, we'll come up, we'll do something over the summer as a sort of limited run summer series something that'll be a different format, maybe more interactive, but just something to serve a palate cleanser before we go into something, you know, Emma, that we always picture as being more like Lizzie. At that point, I think I'm going to hand it over sure. to Mr. And Bushman I'm gonna, here. I'm going to try and do the short version of this because... Um, <laughs> it's a I, podcast. I, you can do whatever. I told, I told some of these... Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> I told some of these specific stories last time oh, I was right. uh, lucky to be a guest here, so I don't want to bore the uh, the audience too, too much. Just a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> I was actually going back and I was looking at the dates uh, yesterday that oh, it was man. in February where Bernie had come to the writers and said, we want to have this like interstitial show that will bridge the gap between the end of Lizzie and the beginning of Emma. So if you have ideas, pitch them. And it was a party before the streaming awards, the weekend of the streaming awards. And, and I remember this because we were at yeah. this like big 
There's a party, rooftop party, a rooftop party yep. in Hollywood. I had come up with the idea for Sanditon, and I, I remember kind of you just pulled like, me aside. I pulled Bernie aside, yeah. and I pitched it to him in the middle of his party, and he was like, "That sounds cool." And then Monday, he called us and said, "I shared it with Hank and with Decca, and we got a green light." So wow. let's do this. And then I remember this is this is one of my favorite early memories of the show is we had a meeting, we had a writers meeting for something on Lizzie, and oh, so it was it was me and Margaret and Kate, and I, I don't remember if Rachel was there for this I one. I think it might have just been the three of us. And Bernie if it's said, the meeting I'm thinking of. Bernie said, "All right, so we're going to do this Sanditon show. Who wants to be the showrunner?" And the three of us all looked at each other, and nobody said anything. And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, "Well, I'd kind of like to do this." But I don't feel like it's my turn. I feel like it's <laughs> Margaret's turn. So I'm not going to say anything. And Margaret didn't say anything. <laughs> and so that after the meeting, I like went up to Bernie and I was like, look, if no one else wants to do it, I'll do it. But I sort of felt like this would be Margaret's chance to step up and take the next next spot. So let me know. I don't know if you want to take your end of that. But. Yeah. No, I think it was one. It's a weird question to ask three people at once. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember because it's it's been long enough that some of the details start to fade. But I do remember because it's like I've been doing a lot of that work on Lizzie. You know, I've been there for all the rehearsals. I was there for all the shoot dates. You know, all yeah. of that sort of showrunnery, practical, on-the-ground stuff. Which I hadn't been doing. So yeah. I was like, I don't know how to do any of that crap. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I think probably some of my silence was just the surprise of, I thought we all knew that I was running the next one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Coupled with the, it was Jay's idea, we all know it was Jay's idea, so yeah, you're asking me to snatch this out in front of him, like, in front of his face. Uh, and so there which, was Which, to be honest, I didn't think of at all. Like, I was literally <laughs> like, well, I'll do it, but I don't know how to do this. Yeah, so, sure. like, I don't want to say, sure, I'll do it. What the heck? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know about all this what stuff. What ended up happening was actually the perfect solution. Okay. Um, and that Bernie said, why don't you guys co-show run and I was like great <laughs> yeah that worked out well mm -hmm. and what made you decide on Sanditon because it's like it, I mean like not a lot of people know mm -hmm. about it because it was it's actually kind of a point in its favor it's a point in its favor okay. it was I was Tell looking at we knew that the space we had to fill was smaller mm -hmm. like we couldn't go a year we were looking for something that could take three months four months at the most and so I was looking at some of Austin's shorter works like uh, Lady Watson I forget some of the other Lady ones Susan. Lady Susan the Watsons all of those and I'm the mashup like, Lady Watson yes <laughs> and I'm like scrolling through them I'm like oh whatever whatever and like this could be interesting and then I looked at Sanditon aside from the word being hard to say I was <laughs> I was like oh this is interesting because it's so unfinished it gives us a lot of room to play with. And because nobody knows it, there shouldn't be a lot of Sanditon purists out there. There were a few. Okay. Uh, I was surprised. Yeah. There were a few. I mean, they would definitely, um, if ever there were a time for them to come out of the yeah. woodworks, it mm -hmm. would be now. And it was real. And I, I know I, I told this story on the last podcast that I'd recently seen the show Sleep No More in New York, the immersive theater mm -hmm. piece. And I was really captivated by, by this idea of creating a story world where the goal wasn't to consume everything. The goal was to find your specific path in the world and create your corner of it and see one little slice of it and then be able to talk to someone else and compare experiences and work together to have a bunch of people build a larger sort of world out of it. Um, we also talked a lot about how we knew that whatever was going to be the second show was going to experience some kind of backlash just by virtue of it not being the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, of not having a lot of the same cast, of not being the story that everyone already knew. That there was going to be an inevitable kind of quote unquote sophomore slump, and we thought, let's steer into that. Let's let's, <laughs> let's do let's... something really different. Yeah. And, yeah. And well, and that was whole... part of the reason why we wanted to take the hiatus in the first place was we're like, we want to give people time to sort of sit with the end yeah. of Lizzie, so it's yeah. not your puppy's dead. Have a new puppy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It's cool. I got what you mean. Yeah. But how, I mean, we didn't end up taking up that that much time in between the end of. Of Lizzie and the start of Sanditon. I no, don't remember exactly how it may have been like, like a, a month. month. Yeah, yeah. I remember no, last it was, time you were saying something like five weeks. It was incredibly it was fast turnaround. Yeah. yeah, and you yeah. like it was five weeks to literally like write the show, find your cast, find your location, like find all yeah. of that stuff, yeah. which yeah. is like not easy. Well, and that was another nice thing about Sanditon because we knew we liked working with Allison, and she was a character who we were mm -hmm. sending off in new directions, yeah. and you know who knows what Gigi's doing, and it was yeah. a way to kind of like. 
all right, we know we have an anchor who's used to the way we work and knows the workload and having that was an advantage. So we only needed to find three actors on short notice as opposed to four and have them all on a fresh start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew that she could sort of be the one to sort of, you know, help the others on the, it's like, hey, this is how this works. And, you know, every time I do any kind of show where you're auditioning, it's just astounding to me just how much talent there is out there. Yeah. And like, we have all these actors come in and read and that, that we can't end up casting, but we're like, oh my God, you're great. Mm-hmm. And we found... Well, that was how we found Joanna. Yeah, we found, oh, we right. found, yeah, we found Joanna in those auditions and and sent her along to Bernie and said, hey, you should look at this person for Emma. Emma. Mm -hmm. But we ended up with Lena and Kyle Mm -hmm. and Joel as our three uh, main cast members in the first part of the show. And like, they were incredible. Mm -hmm. And, And just finding those talents is always really exciting. We have a Twitter question from Emily asking her, or asking you guys, what inspired you to modernize Sanditon? What was the hardest thing to modernize about it? Modernizing was just sort of since it was always going to be in the same world as LBD. Like there was, I don't think there was ever even on the table the idea that this would be a separate story world since the impetus was we need a show that bridges the end of LBD with the beginning of Emma. Mm -hmm. And then the solution to that was, oh, we'll just take G, we'll follow Gigi out of the world, out of the end of LBD and into. Sanditon, and then we had placed hooks at the end for someone at the end of Sanditon to go into into I, Emma. Because... I think we wanted to set the line to give the option mm-hmm. of very he end. shows up yeah. at the very end oh, and records the, the, the cute guy, yeah, yeah. yeah the mayor's cousin. Yeah. yeah. So I think we wanted to like lay the option that yeah. you know that he was somebody that right. Emma could use. I right. don't recall and, that anything ever happened. With and him. I remember, I remember we shot. On a day that we were shooting at at Adam and Katie's, uh, Matt came down to shoot his scene, and we oh. like went and like shot it in my car, yeah. it like on the street, wow, of where the apartment is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was the morning that like people had been doing like the landscapers had come that morning, yeah. oh. so we had lost hours because we couldn't shoot yeah. the mayor's office because it was yeah. too loud. So we were running super behind and this was Elson's birthday mm-hmm. and so we're running behind and the whole thing and everybody's you know being a very good sport about it but mm-hmm. we all know that we're under a crunch and yeah. so I remember when he showed up I'm just like yeah. I was like Jay take the camera go shoot it I trust you yes I was like second unit director let's do it <laughs> there was yes no that was entirely directed by Jay Bushman yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like John you cool with that it's like yeah yeah <laughs> It did exactly what we needed. Mm. Herman, I remember we had these long conversations in the in the in the writers' room about. We, there came a day when we had like come, we built all this architecture for the world and the conflict and the, the juice bar versus the ice cream shop oh, right, thing right. and all this stuff. And I just remember coming to you one day and feeling like I feel like we're missing something. This is a Jane Austen show, and when you sign up to see something that's based on a Jane Austen uh, story. You were expecting the main character to have some kind of romance. Yeah. Like, yeah. and we don't even have to do the whole thing, but we just have to give her something. And, and there was this moment where we were talking about how it felt like Gigi was outside of a lot of the action, just mm-hmm. commenting on yeah. it, and we needed to pull her in. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the idea of, oh, we'll pull Sydney Parker in and we'll start laying the groundwork and then just give them the meet cute. And then the yeah. audience can decide what the rest of their story which, is. Which was very in keeping with the whole Sanditon ethos yeah. of, here's a town, populate it for us, which is sort of what, yes. you know, what was the plan and what ended yeah. up happening very quickly. I yeah. think, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, for me, it wasn't necessarily the modernization, because at that point, you know, we sort of knew, but it's like, it's 12 chapters of first draft. And Jane Austen's first draft is not too shabby, don't get me wrong, but there's not a lot there. Yeah, You know, it's hard to tell. It's like, well, what is the main conflict of this story going to be? Is there a love interest? Like, we didn't know where that was all going. Mm-hmm. And so finding a way to, you know, we deliberately wanted to keep our stories a little bit plot light was the idea. But yeah, needing enough there that if you were just going to watch the Monday episodes, there was a story for you to follow with some interest. And And originally it was only going to be a once a week show. Mm-hmm. We were okay. just doing yeah. Monday episodes. This, I yeah. think, was our biggest challenge 
the biggest thing that I think looking at it at the end, if we if we had it to do over again, we would do differently. When the show started, when the show was first greenlit, it was planned to be one episode a week. Hmm. And we wrote the first, we wrote it in two chunks. We wrote the first chunk um, and then went into production on the first chunk and then we're writing the second chunk. The, so the story was broken as once a week. After we wrote the first group and we started production on the first group, I forget, was it? I think Target. Target. Offered money to yeah. DACA, basically. For a bunch of like brand integrations across a lot of their different shows. And so the offer came to us like, hey, we have a little bit more money to shoot a little bit more content. Can you use that? And so we you were like. Don't say no to money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah pro tip for all you producers out there. Yeah. I mean, unless it comes with like weird strings attached, but in this case, like it wasn't even a brand integration. Like, and we asked them about this, but it was like, they want food related content that they can put target ads in front of. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, like, so these are where the recipes. So these were all the ice cream videos. Came oh, from. So if you wonder why these recipes are yeah. really, really basic, and because oh. we basically had like a week to write. Yeah. Well, and all we had we were working with Beth, who's yeah. part of uh, King Community, mm-hmm. and she initially was like, you know, and she's sending us these suggestions for recipes, and one of the reasons I steered those recipes simpler is like. Most of our viewers don't necessarily have access to a full kitchen. Like a lot of people are yeah. watching these yeah. in their college dorm yep. room. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having recipes that require you know to be like our last one, we got a little fancier with the waffle iron and mm-hmm. the stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah, I don't. You know, this is not a core cook homemaker demographic. Like some of our viewers are obviously super into baking, as you can you know, yeah. and textile mm-hmm. arts, um, <laughs> and books and tea. And tea. It's like yeah, with younger sort of thing it's like let's do it a little more simply and also just the videos can't be that long right so we so what ended up happening is we found ourselves now with a monday video and then every other week a second video Hmm. so what do we do on those off weeks like are we going to do a monday thursday one week and then a monday and nothing and so this is where the idea came of like well we've asked people to make their own videos so Hmm. why don't we do the video digest. Do the video digest and take all of the submissions and cut together a highlight reel of what the fans are telling in their stories. And we'll publish that on Thursdays. And that was that was my idea. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll do that, which meant I had to watch every video. God, he watched every single and video. And I had to wow. basically look for clips that I could then string together to create something of a through line in about two or three days. Like, like oh, we had dear. like, if the episode had to go live on a Thursday, I basically spent the weekend before watching everything and trying to find a through line and then spending the that Monday like writing up the punch list and sending it to the editors and the editors like edited on Tuesday. We checked on Wednesday. We published on Thursday. Wow. So there was like no time. It was tremendous amount of work. And we thought, Hey, this will be fun. And we put it up and some people like them. Some people really hated them. Like Mm. really, really, really hated them. And the thing that I don't think we really thought about was that nobody else knew that we had only been expecting to put up Monday episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so we saw more than one person complain, why are you cheating us out of a real video? Yeah. Because they didn't know they weren't getting a video. Like we weren't going to make another video there. It's not like we were like, should we film another episode with Gigi or should we like do a compilation? (laughs) That was never going to happen. Never going to happen. But we were so in the Like we knew and we forgot that everybody doesn't know. We're used to that twice a week schedule. And they're used to the twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it, and this is, uh, and I know I talked a little bit about this last time. This is also part of the legacy of so much of this kind of storytelling. There's this idea that you have to keep everything secret until it happens and you like drop this thing and it's a big mm-hmm. surprise and that can work a lot of the time but it also really helps if you just tell the audience what to expect expectation and, management yeah. over and over and over again i yeah. think was one of the great lessons we learned yeah. on welcome to sanderson because yeah. yeah so what initially so let's talk about like the fan interaction sure. thing so so you ended up stringing all these videos along so that you could make an emergency like thursday episode what were they originally going to be used for well, they were just for fans to make and consume with each oh, other. Oh, so it was never going to so, like really be in the series. No. It was just like... No. Because we fan. knew we couldn't coordinate, you know. Sure. What, and there was always 
the assignment of it's like, you know, Gigi would have the, it's like, you know, go out and find X or I'm wondering about Y, what do you think? And that sort of, yeah. that kind of video prompt for to then go onto the theatrics platform. But we'd okay. originally seen it as a kind of more decentralized. And I actually think the digest was a really good idea because like, Lord knows, it's like, I was running the show and I will just admit, I didn't have time to watch everything yeah. that was being uploaded to the platform. Well, I watched everything. Everything. <laughs> and a lot he of watched. it was really fantastic. Yeah. And really yeah. funny and really smart. And the really, the super exciting thing was you could see how fans would like, someone would come up with an idea and they would post a video and they would mention it, and other fans would pick it up and run with it. And you would start seeing these these memes, these Sanditon story memes emerge and then get picked up by everything else. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, one of the best examples of that was the character of Jossica, who was the, <laughs> right. the town shark who had recently died. And everyone was really sad about it. And this is, this is obviously... And that made it back into the main series. Yes. Yes, yeah, so this is yeah. very clearly a, a nod to Parks and Recreation and mm. Little Sebastian, <laughs> Sebastian. Oh. and except someone made it a shark. I, I don't really know why. That's good. Um, because and then it just became a thing. seaside town, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I like that the town had a shark. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was that sort of thing, because I think that for us, because of the way the human mind worked, you know, the people who were unhappy and loudly unhappy, mm. and hey, you don't have to like, you know, anything that anybody creates, and you have the perfect right to talk about how you don't like it on the internet. And that tends to loom large, but I think sometimes, you know, it's easy even for us at the time as we're in the weeds to lose track of all of the people who got super into it and had so much yeah. fun and created uh, mm -hmm. Horus and... Horus and, oh, I just remember the ship name is Horabelle. Horabelle. Yeah. <laughs> Annabelle? Annabelle. Annabelle and Horus. Horus, who, you know, and this was a group of fans that got together. They had a writer's room. They had wow. multiple channels. They may have done more writing for Sanditon yeah. than we did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the amount of content that they produced was just incredible. Yeah. And, like... And the soap of it all. And you had people who had, you know, the joke Twitter accounts. You know, there was the mm -hmm. Sanditon Dragon. There was Grandpa's Chair. The Sanditon Tumbleweed. The tumbleweed. I love the tumbleweed. <laughs> just, just tumbling yeah. around. <laughs> 331 tea, sto tea shops. Um, wow. So the many Sanditon Taco Truck. Yeah. Wow. Uh, somebody had an accounting firm. Like... There were health services. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was the Sanditon Mafia. The Sanditon Mafia. Were you going to get kidnapped by got, the Sanditon? Yes, at VidCon one year, I got kidnapped by the Sanditon Mafia. Oh my I just gosh. checked, actually, the Sanditon Mafia is still going. Like, like, oh my gosh, I love that. Every so often, I will just pull open um, pull open Twitter and search the Sanditon hashtag and see what's happening. And I just did that wow. earlier today. This yeah. is, by the way, like exactly what we did when we went in and we made our Emmy presentation was, just so you know, it's still going on. These are the events that are happening in Sanditon today, yeah. which is after the show was over, but the Sanditon ball was going on. Mm -hmm. You still had time to buy your dress, and if yes. you came in, you got 20% off at the tea shop. <laughs> and then watching the fans sort of take their community, and when Kyle started doing um, Peter, and Wendy. Peter and Wendy, yeah. like they're all like, okay, we're moving to Neverland, Ohio. And like a chunk of the town picked up, and they moved, and they had a road wow. trip to get to right. Ohio together. There was, there was a regular flight between Sanditon, California, Neverland, Ohio. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. Yes. Second airport to the right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flight controllers always have fun with that. That's great. That's awesome. So how many fan submissions did you, as a Twitter question from Abby, how many fan submissions did you receive over? I suppose it's probably a J question. Countless. I, I don't remember, but it was... Well, especially know. if you count Twitter, because yeah. it wasn't just theatrics. Like, yeah. there were easily hundreds of video And we should probably back up and, and yeah. sort of frame that a little bit. We partnered with... So the whole thing was we are going to build this build the show around Domino and the Domino platform, right. this being the Domino beta test. And I told the story last time about how Domino was born out of, I'd been working at this company, Fourth Wall Studios, and we had this interactive platform yes. that we were initially going to use for the Gigi spinoff, and then the company went out of business. And that's where 
uh, Bernie kind of invented Domino as a, a way to do that. And so we thought, oh, why don't we use Domino as this as the central metaphor for the show, which will hopefully allow us to get out of individual bedrooms and we can like mm. go and like see parts of the town. And so when we started talking about this, we're like, all right, it's a Domino beta test, which means in the world of the story, like that means they'd be giving access to it to everyone who lives in the town. How do we do that? And so just through just kind of connections and just going to going to networking things and, and interactive story events, I became aware of this platform called Theatrix. This Theatrix is no longer around either, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And um, unfortunately it went down before we could rescue the content yeah, from the servers, which yeah. is really unfortunate. Oh, we we wish at the very least that yeah. we would have had enough lead time to let people know for yeah. stuff yeah. that they had posted. Yeah. But what Theatrix's business model was, was they were creating kind of individual um, social networks for fictional worlds. And they were looking for partners to beta test with. And we were like, well, we'll be your beta test partner. <laughs> so they basically built Domino for us. Wow. And it wasn't really Domino, because sure. Domino in the world of the story is this AI controlled automatically kind of like... Like a horribly invasive of your yeah. privacy. Yeah. Like nobody would actually... And like, <laughs> you know, if your phone ever later, asks you to download Domino, just say no. Don't do it, people. <laughs> although five years later, it doesn't seem as crazy <laughs> like and, yeah, and unlikely. Yeah, no. It, maybe it, it all kind of, ago. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Alexa, don't listen to that. So, Five years from now, we're going to do the dystopian Sanditon spinoff. <laughs> we could do that. We could do that. Yeah. Alexa's connecting different Because you know, you know Mayor <laughs> Parker would just, you know, go crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so basically we built this hub site that looked like it was the Domino interface and it was mm. branded with Pemberley digital type stuff. And it was a tool set to give the audience members the ability to record videos and upload them to their page that allowed them to say who their character was in Sanditon and mm. what other characters in Sanditon they were related to or were friends with and network with mm -hmm. and places they could post photos and write blog entries. And so this hub sort of became the site where the audience sort of congregated some of their creations. Yeah. Um, so between that site and the individual Twitter accounts that uh, they all made to play their characters. So was... many of them in that opening weekend that Twitter was convinced it was like a spam attack. Yeah, or we something. had over oh. we had over eight hundred Sanditon Twitter accounts created the first weekend. Whoa. Yeah. We cool. we dropped that yeah. sort of episode zero and we're yeah. like, okay, so we're hinting about what it's gonna be. I wonder if people will get it. Well we'll hit it hard in episode one. They got it from got episode it. zero. Wow. Yeah. And we're like frantically calling Twitter or like anybody we know who knows yeah. someone at Twitter to be like, Don't we're launching <laughs> the show tomorrow. Can you please unblock the hashtag yeah. and unblock all these accounts? Wow. So people, did they block it just because they were like, oh, this is a bunch of fake spam. accounts? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, and... They were a bunch of fictional accounts, but it was right. a bunch of fans all working together. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, it wasn't bots it was, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Although these days I wonder if I should just hire, a, you know, some Russian hackers or <laughs> Macedonian <laughs> teens to like create an Get entire world involved. on Twitter. Yeah. You know? And we, we don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. It's already done. At least, you know, five yeah. years ago we didn't yeah. have to yeah. <laughs> send up the Sanditon signal. So, right. so we had partnered with Theatrix to make this site, to make these tools for everybody. And, and one of the big takeaways that, that I took from this process is because I watched every video and because this is a Pemberley Digital slash Jane Austen project, I would say 90 to 95% of our audience was female. I started noticing this thing that happened on the first time almost everybody recorded a video, which was they would turn the camera on, they would fidget, they would feel really uncomfortable, they would start talking, and the first thing they would almost always say was, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right. Hmm. And so what became our job and something that we tried to do again and again and again is just constantly reinforce, yes, you're doing this right. Whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Yeah, you know, as long as you're not like trying to, to troll people, which yes. vast, vast majority of people yes. were not. We yeah. One of the thing, discussions I remember we had about whether Jessica was going to come over into the main show and get a reference. And I was frankly very much against that at first because I'm like, if we start playing favorites with, you know, it's like, ooh, we think this is cool. It's only going to sow, sow dissension of it's like, aha, we're, we're like the fans that people like. Because mm -hmm. there was already that sort of undercurrent around of it's like, you're just doing this for the people who like the interactive. And, you know, why don't you why aren't you doing something that I like for some of the people who didn't like Sanditon? And we're like, um, we're. 
we're sorry. <laughs> um, doing what we think is going to be good and you don't have yeah. to like it. And then yeah. ultimately at the end, it was like, well, you know, if we treat, you know, if we, we try to ignore the people who are being not so nice about this and we also ignore the people who really love what we're doing, well, you're kind of treating your friends like your enemies in a way. <laughs> and so it's like, no, if we see something cool, let's let's shout, let's call it out and sort mm-hmm. of, you know, and, and it did not become a sort of thing of contention, I don't yeah. think. So. Yeah. I think that's the fun of the fan compilation videos is that they are getting that shout out in a mm-hmm. way in an official video. Yeah. And even like with inside jokes that are that kind of pop up in there and even like for comments that they're like what what does that mean like what does that even mean but if you're like in the town if you're like really participating you like really appreciate that yeah yeah i think as a creator you always have to be aware of your weight you know that any move you make is going to have disproportionate effects Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't move and so just part of our process was finding out how to use the power that we had effectively Mm -hmm. and also in a way that was sort of ethical and made sense and this is, I mean, and this is a this is a world that is still being figured out. Like this kind of interactive yeah. storytelling uh, with you know a mass fan base. There, there are very few rules, yeah. um, and we're all just sort of stumbling through it, trying to figure out what works and 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 what maybe works less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, what was your guys's favorite thing about working on Sanditon? Like favorite memory, just like favorite experience, favorite just, lessons that just you learned. the people, just working with an incredibly talented group of actors and writers and 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 crew and and i have to and i don't know if i've ever actually (laughs) said this but i love working with margaret i learned i learned so much from you like i remember we had a day where we should also talk about uh josh we haven't mentioned josh caldwell oh Um, yeah our director directed and i remember we had a day and josh was incredible um but we had a day where we're like getting ready for the, the, the suit. And, and Margaret says, all right, well, we need to have a tone meeting with, with Josh. And I was like, hmm, what's a tone meeting? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know. Like, and cause she's worked on like actual factual television shows and like has this experience that I didn't have. And I just learned so much just, just working with her that, that that's my favorite part of the show. And just, you know, uh, working with getting to getting to work with Lena, who is incredible, oh, and is currently in the waitress national yes. touring yes. cast. Yes. She'll be coming to LA. And I'm so excited getting to go to see, see her. Mm-hmm. Getting to see how um, Kyle was so excited by this format that it inspired him to go and start yeah. create to to co create Peter and Wendy. Can I tell my my brief sort of sure. anecdote yeah. on that? I love it because when we were doing the initial casting, the role of Ed was down to it was down yeah. to Kyle and Brent. Yeah, oh. and Brent had auditioned like the first thing oh. he had auditioned for was um, Darcy. Darcy. I love this <laughs> sort of like, shirtless oh, gesture, oh. like Wickham. So it was down to the two and Jenny Powell, who was our producer and our casting director and, you know, really talented person. And I think she was feeling really bad that we kept having Brent in and then not oh. casting him for things. Yeah. But he got the role on Emma Proved. Yeah. Yes. yes. But it was coming down to it, and we're like, we just we preferred Kyle for the role. We mm. thought he was better he for was Ed. Quirky. Like it he was, was the well, thing. Well, also we did we did chemistry. This is another thing I learned. Like we have to do chemistry, and then we put Kyle and Lena together, and it was just there. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, oh that's. Right. But Jenny, part of the rationale is she's like, I, I'm just not sure about Kyle. I don't know if he's going to be interacting with the fans enough, or he's going to be doing this stuff. And like you know, a couple of years later, she's like you know up to her hips in you know season two of the new adventures of peter and wendy and i'm like so jenny you remember when you were worried that kyle wouldn't be interactive with the fans enough we also she gave me a well-deserved dirty look for that (laughs) i I felt vindicated we also haven't mentioned bo and griff who came in in the second half of the show fantastic getting to work with uh, vanessa chester who played griff who is someone who i i keep I keep actually hiring Vanessa for oh, other projects because really? she was fantastic. No, Vanessa's and, fantastic. And then that was a real joy to work with her. Josh Caldwell as the director was fantastic. The whole crew, uh, Alex Edwards, who was the transmedia editor mm-hmm. on LBD, was the transmedia producer on Sanditon and uh, got to write got a, a couple of episodes. <laughs> Since I got a promotion, Alex got a promotion. And we brought in uh, Dana Shaw to be her assistant. Um, yeah. Dana uh, just recently uh, launched uh, with her husband, Tom Pike, a web series called Personal Space, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really good. And it's Sean, um, Sean Perceau 
uh, is in that. Uh, it's oh, the last cool. thing Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica uh, filmed before he passed away. Wow. Um, so that's worth checking out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just this community yeah. of really talented people uh, in front of and behind the camera, just getting to work with them. Yeah, I mean, similar to Lizzie Bennett, like everybody really put a lot into this and they did a lot of good work. And Mm -hmm. I remember being in the coffee shop, it's after dark, and we're filming that huge three-way scene between three-way Claire. domino video three-way scene. Do- Let's so be clear. they're not all in shot together. Right. So we've got Clara behind the counter. We've got Ed at a table. I think we Gigi is the we yes. we'd probably already shot Gigi's yes. side of it back at the apartment. Yeah, but it's the bit where. Clara gets so frustrated, she throws an ice cream cone at Ed, and then it hits the back of his head. And she just nails him in the back of the head, and he just gets that look of just like, ooh, feisty. (laughs) And just that moment of like, I think we've learned something about Ed. Because we sort of, we always knew that they were heading in a kind of romantic direction, but it's like, So that's how he likes his girls. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were doing the ice cream episode, and that's where we're having the big kiss that, Mm -hmm. you know, the final thing she did, which is like, you know, it's a special breakfast and then reveals that she's Mm -hmm. making a special breakfast for her and somebody else. (laughs) And we're like the Lizzie Bennett. And I told her, it's like, look, the Lizzie Bennett fans, you don't have to do if it doesn't feel natural. But if you grab him by the tie, they're all going to go nuts. <laughs> and and Lena just gets this that. look of like, I can do that. <laughs> like Pemberley porn. Yeah. yeah. The tie. The tie. Yes. yes. And then the other thing we should we should mention is the surprise cameo at the very, very end. Yeah, Darcy. From Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Daniel, and such a good sport coming yes. in. Yes. They have such a great rapport mm. together. And I don't even think, like, we shot those on different days. I remember I wasn't actually able to make the shoot date for um, for the day we shot Daniel, but I believe if memory serves, Allison like showed up even though we weren't filming. Yeah, to, to her to off-camera lines, other side yeah. stuff. Oh, and they were okay. just they were just great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and all the actors were really good about that because there was so much of off-camera mm-hmm. dialogue, and they were all, all you know very rarely did our script supervisor have to read the other half of the dialogue. You yeah, know? and then then it was just because someone had a scheduling thing that they just couldn't be there. But everybody yeah. stayed on set, and they were all there for each other. It's really hard. One of the other things I think we learned is just the chemistry between two people. Even if they filmed it with the person off camera, it's a different dynamic yes. than when people are actually in the same yeah. shot with each other. And then mm-hmm. there, are, there are just some actors that, like, they don't have to do anything. You just turn the camera on them and, like, they're just, like, jumping out of their skin and jumping into the camera. And, like, Joel Bryant could just, like, <laughs> turn his head, like, a tiny little bit. And it's hysterical. <laughs> and he brought so much to Mayor Parker that was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also want to make sure we mention the really heavy lifting that Allison did on that show. Because, like, oh, yeah. obviously she was familiar with the process because she'd done, you know, she'd done Lizzie. She'd done the, uh, Domino. The Domino videos. Mm-hmm. And the difference between coming in and being Gigi on Lizzie's show and then shooting Domino and then shooting Sanditon where everything was, a lot of that was just on her and lifting. And she really, she stepped it up and she handled the workload because mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. Tell us anything else you have for us. Well, uh, there were enormous, there were frequently, I would get asked to, you know, talk about the show for an article, for a website or something. It's just very known in the interactive media community. Like, that's where he's coming from. And so, like, I would talk about the show, and I would go to to great pains to say, I co-created the show with my partner, Mark Dunlap. Mm -hmm. We're the co-showrunners of this project. Then the article would come out, and her name wouldn't be in it at all. And it would just list me as the creator. And, and and this happened more than once. And I would get once. a very sheepish phone call saying, yeah. if you've seen this article, I'm sorry, they are correcting yes. it. And I usually hadn't seen the article. So it's like, but, but still, Better it creates this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and, and just, not everybody takes the trouble yeah. to make that correction yeah. when, you yes. know, when you have a male colleague. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to, you know, toot my horn too much about this. It's not, you know, there's, I've made the mistake before. Like I've, in the past, I've been in situations where I wasn't proactive and people get bent out of shape 
when they feel like someone is taking credit for work that you've done. And and I never want anyone I work with to feel that I'm doing that. But especially in this case, I did not want Margaret to feel that way. Yeah. And and it just kept happening. And I was yeah. like, how like how how much do I have to like make it clear I'm not the only one who created this thing? Well, and we had a discussion early on, and I felt a little awkward bringing this up. But like, you know, whenever there was something on the website that listed our names together, and there are, you know, different ways that you can, you know, people do it alphabetically, oh, yeah. people, mm-hmm. if we did it alphabetically, though, you know, he has I one of the few covers. last names that comes before mine. Yeah. Like, usually that covers me pretty well. But yeah. I actually, like, I remember calling you up and I felt a little bad saying this. It's like, Jay, I want my name to be first. Because if my name is first, people will assume that we worked on this together. Mm-hmm. If your yep. name is first, people will assume that I'm your assistant. Wow. Yeah. And it's sad, but but true. We we yeah. were at a panel together, and we were talking. And this is a funny story. Like I, I want to make this clear. It is, it's sexist, but it's also funny. And we'd done this panel together at like you know Silicon Beach or something like that. It was a digital digital Hollywood ele- thing. digital Hollywood yeah. kind of thing. And so we go, and at the end of the panel, there's this guy that I think you knew professionally, mm-hmm. um, and chatting with him after the panel, who will remain anonymous. But you know he is he is a gentleman of a certain age from a certain region, and it is one that I'm used to dealing with. And so we're talking, and he's like, "You were so good on that panel." I'm like, "Oh, thank you." And we're having the discussion. You can hear my accent coming out. <laughs> um, and so we're doing this whole thing, and we're chatting, and it's all very collegial and nice. And Jay sort of wanders over from talking to somebody else, and this guy turns to Jay and says, "I was just talking about how great she was on the panel. Where did you find her?" Mm. And and Jay, bless his heart. You know, in that moment, and I'm not even saying that in the passive aggressive way, I realize, but you know, but Jay just sort of says there blinks because I was on Lizzie before Jay was. Totally. And he walks up and he says, um, I walked in the room and she was already there. You know, those, those (laughs) moments when you like think of later on, you're like, oh, I should have said this. It just came, like, it came out of my mouth. Like, I didn't even think about it. And then I heard what I had said and I was like. Uh, Yeah. That that, that was the right answer. Like, that was the right answer. And I just have time to do that. It's like. Oh, it's the it's the adjunct thing, and then just came up. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Yes, I'm I'm I am as thankful as you are that I said that because like, man, <laughs> wow, like like yeah. I mean, I think the I, the only it's it's hard. Like, I think yeah. when one is stuck in that sort of situation, yeah. I think yeah. you know, really, wow, that was an awkward assumption to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, and I this is something else I I said last time. It's something I became aware of the more. As Lizzie was going on, and it became clear that, like, Bernie and I were the ones who were going and speaking on panels everywhere. And I remember we did a podcast interview with um, Nerdist Writers panel. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, it was was Bernie and me and you and Kate and And uh, Rachel. Rachel. And Bernie and I did most of the talking. And it was only until after it was over that I realized that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, it became clear to me that it was incumbent upon me that I had to work harder to make sure my voice didn't drown out other people's yeah. um and that's you know and i don't say that just you know pat myself on the back it's it's sure. i care about these people i work with their success is my success and all yeah. of our successes are bound together yeah well that i think was one of like you know talking about what you know working together on this and you're know, saying it's like you know this makes sense and we had skill sets that complemented each other and you know running a show even a web series it's a lot of work. There's plenty for two people to do mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. us busy. Like, yes. you know, we tended to have yes. our spheres. And thank goodness we did. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the more interactive side of things, not just watching all of the uploads and putting together the compilation episodes, mm-hmm. but, you know, writing herd on what was going on on the, uh, on the I want to say web only, but the whole show was web only. Yeah. But like the non-video storylines that mm-hmm. were going on, yeah. because you know I was I was up to my eyeballs in making sure that the shoots were coming together and that you know the casting was working out mm-hmm. and just sort of organizing that side of it because that's what I'd been doing on Lizzie and that's what I learned to do first, you know, being on TV shows. So yeah, there's an enormous amount of trust that you just have to have. Like mm-hmm. like I just had to trust that. Margaret was going to handle that stuff. Yeah. And she just had to trust that I was going to handle that stuff. And when there were times where we had to talk about stuff or that maybe we didn't see the same way, we just worked through it. Yeah. And mm. yeah. Yeah. We, we had the discussion early on. It's like there's no fighting in front of the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, we, we work out what our opinion is. Yeah. And like if there's an email chain, yeah. 
the two of us, we do not discuss what our answer is going to be. We sidebar, we figure out what the answer is, yeah. and then front. one yeah, or the other right. of us will answer. But it's yeah. not, well, Jay said, but Margaret said. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's very important. Yeah. yeah. Like in any leadership role, yeah. especially yeah. when yeah. you like, have a lot of other people's jobs on the line. Yeah. 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 Now, and it definitely forced us to be proactive because, you know, if, uh, if Stuart is waiting for an answer on something, you know, he can't wait for us to get our sweet time. It's, you know, sure. it's sending a text and like, we got to tell him something. What yeah. are we telling him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also just making sure that we always check in with each other before we did stuff like totally. that. Yeah. A plus. Would co-show run with again? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, it's They're true. great. They're not faking it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, great. I feel like we've learned so much and, and I definitely have a newfound appreciation for the show and all the work that went into it. And so... Um, we're just glad that we got to have both of you on here. Just yeah. to, Thanks for having us. No, yes. definitely. It was great yeah. to be here. It's nice yeah. to ch- ch- have an excuse to chat through the old war <laughs> yeah. story. Always. Yeah. Always. So where can people find you on social media? Uh, I am at margaretdunlap.com, which is my website. It's a very small website. Um, I'm also on the Twitters at Spyscribe. Um, but margaretdunlap.com has links to all of my various things. That's cool. Yeah. And Jay Bushman, pretty much on all the platforms, uh, jaybushman.com and on Tumblr, Twitter. Do we have any projects coming up? Yeah. This, yeah. this is your chance to plug anything. So last time I was here, when you asked me that question, I was like, I can't talk about yeah, anything. Okay, you told secret. us that most of the jobs you have are a secret. I have a couple of things <laughs> I can plug now. Yay! Yeah. Tell us yeah. everything. So the first thing is I haven't actually talked about this publicly. Yet, but I am returning to the world of the literary-inspired web series. Ooh, ooh, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Because, uh, so I've done Austin and Austin and Austin, and yep. I seem to keep doing things <laughs> that are um, targeted at and important to the, the female audience. I am producing a modern web series adaptation of uh, The Yellow Wallpaper. Oh, wow. Um, the classic They're short story, the, well, the Yellow Wallpaper. Uh, we shot it two months ago. Oh, wow. Directed right. by your friend production We've got an incredible director, Amber Benson, okay. uh, who okay. most people know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And she played Tara on Buffy. But she's not only an incredible actress. She is a great writer and a fantastic director. Wow. We had a wonderful uh, writing staff that, aside from me, was all female, um, including uh, Taylor Brogan, who wrote on Frankenstein, um, and a couple of other really, really wonderful, wonderful writers, Allie Hagen and Annie Stammel. And this series stars uh, Mary Chifo, who, if you're watching uh, Star Trek Discovery, she plays Laurel, one of the Klingons, and she is unbelievable. She's amazing. (laughs) My, my producing partner um, on this is uh, uh, Elizabeth Hughes, who is an amazing, amazing producer. She produced, uh, she line produced Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing movie. She oh, was cool. a producer on movies like Short Term 12. And when we started talking about this, I ex- sort of expressed some concern that like, you know, I'm a guy. Should I be like doing sure. the yellow wallpaper? And she was like, we can do this, but let's make sure that we get the right people. So mm. all, all female writing staff, female director. And we've spent a lot of time on on trying to make sure that this isn't just some guy and his take on this classic okay. story. So we're in post-production on that. We're not quite sure when that's going to be done, but that's okay. going to be later this year or maybe beginning of next year. That's, that's one project. I have another project I want to mention because this is out already. And if you see this, you will see the threads between this project and Welcome to Sanditon. Um, I was hired to write, to co-write um, a piece for the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. I've heard of it. And if you go to the website, talktothereasons.com, which if you go on your phone, this is a mobile experience, so you'll need to go. uh, go You can go on your laptop because there'll be a a landing page to to tell you where to go. Basically, (laughs) when you launch the experience on your phone, instantly you receive a FaceTime call from one of the characters, from the character Tony. And Tony looks at you and says, hey, have you heard the news? And then your microphone turns on and you have to answer him. And depending on what you say, Tony responds differently. Whoa. And he asks for your help with something. And then you proceed to get FaceTime calls, group video chats, uh, text messages, and Instagram messages from seven characters from 13 Reasons Why. Who all need your help in deciding what to do. 
about the thing that is going to be happening in, in season two. And depending on what you say, they answer differently. The story goes in different directions. And someone is always going to be unhappy with what you say. Wow. So <laughs> you, you find yourself in the middle of these arguments between all these characters and all your choices have ramifications That's... for how the characters feel about you. So this is live now. Uh, it's called Talk to the Reasons. And it's sort of like episode zero of season two. So you don't have wow. to like have seen okay. season two before you okay. before you watch it. Um, and so we got to shoot that a couple of months ago with the main cast of 13 Reasons, who yeah. is incredible. Um, some really wonderful actors. Which I really um, think speaks to the evolution of interactive and multi-platform storytelling. Because yeah. back when we were doing Lizzie Bennett, whenever you were doing a side thing, it's like, are we going to get the main cast for this? It's like, we're never getting no. the main cast for this. Yeah. Oh, no. And yeah. now, you get the main cast. Get the main cast. Yeah. So, so check out Talk to the Reasons. I'm cool. really, really proud of it. It was a really incredibly fun project to, to work on. And Man, we've come a long way since <laughs> Welcome to Sanity. Domino's almost real. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Not, not at all creepy. So that's what I've been up to. Cool. What have you been up to, Margaret? Uh, well, let's see. I'm not sure when this is going live, but on uh, June 13th, 2018, is the premiere of season four of Book Burners. Ooh. which is the serial fiction project that I write for, along with Max Gladstone, Mer Lafferty, Andrea Phillips, and Brian Francis Slattery, which is the story of a black ops arm of the Vatican that is setting out to protect the world from magic and demons and stuff like that, you know, like you do. <laughs> uh, there'll be 10, uh, 10 episodes or stories this year, so cool. that'll be exciting if you're Watching this contemporaneously, it's probably still going on. I had two projects that I was involved with go live in May, which I delight in mentioning together because they are Barbie's Dreamhouse Adventures on Netflix and the video game State of Decay 2. <laughs> That's so, uh, you know, not only am I the only person to work on both of these projects, I may be the entirety of their audience overlap. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, as of now, they've only got the first eight episodes of Barbie up, and okay. uh, none of those are mine. I think my first episode is like number 11. In 2019, so mark your calendars. Okay. My my next sort of big project that I can talk about is I wrote for um, the Netflix series Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. Wow, which really is the new uh, the it takes place in the same world as the original 1983 film, The Dark Crystal. Wow, so all puppets all the time, <laughs> traumatizing another generation of young people. Yes, <laughs> um, are you going to throw in the word verisimilitude for them as well? I I. I I tried. I don't think it. <laughs> there are only so many. It's really hard for a puppet mouth to say verisimilitude. You try to be kind My to the puppeteers when you like can. Too many syllables. That's like six syllables. Yeah. Yeah. In in terms, if anyone wishes to stalk me in person this summer, I should be around uh, Worldcon in San Jose, which is coming up. I should figure out when I'm getting to San Jose. If I keep saying I'm going to be there. Um, and I'll also be uh, an instructor at the Surrey International Writers Conference in uh, the Vancouver area in October. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much yeah, to both yeah. of you. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was fun. That wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thepemberley, or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye! Bye.